Hey, this is Delwyn Ireland, worship pastor at Mars Hill Bible Church in Grand Rapids, and you're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed for the worship leader that has to do it all and is trying to figure out how to do all the extra things that you need to know when you lead a worship ministry. And so we release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. If you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on, and you'll never miss another one. Thanks for being here. This is episode 28, and today's guest is Delwyn Island. I first met Delwyn last year at the Philo Conference. He leads worship at the conference, and he was also on staff as the worship pastor at Willow Creek in Chicago. I say was because about a year ago, he and his family moved from Willow and from the Chicagoland area that he grew up in to Mars Hill in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. And there are three things about this that I think make for a great conversation. One is it's still fresh on my mind what it's like to be at one church for a long time and then have to start over at a new church. This was my story almost two years ago. Different churches have different cultures and different priorities and a different DNA, and you have to figure out how you fit. Finding that balance between not disturbing the identity of the ministry, but also beginning to put your own fingerprints on it. But two, Delwyn's situation kind of goes next level because Willow Creek is known for its high production value and Mars Hill is known for its minimalist approach to Sunday morning services. Both are good, but it's hard to find a combination of churches that are more different in their methodology and style in terms of what a service feels like than Willow and Mars. So that just adds to the complexity of the situation. And three, Delwyn says that he is a pastor first and a musician second, and his knowledge and experience, but also his love for people is just so evident. I really enjoyed learning and hearing from Delwyn, and I think you will too. So we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I wanted to share with you something that I'm doing that's pretty new. I do this podcast because I like to help worship leaders just like you. I create weekly YouTube videos for the same reason. And because of the podcast and the YouTube channel, that opens up some great conversations on social media and through email and DMs with people just like you asking specific questions about their ministry. And I love helping people however I can. And I think it's really amazing that God would allow me to have fingerprints on your ministry. But sometimes we get stuck in our ministries and it takes more than just watching a YouTube video or a quick conversation on Instagram to find the solution. So just recently, I'm making myself available for one hour coaching calls. That gives us the time that we need to dive into the problem that you're facing and your unique situation. Maybe it's finding volunteers and training them. Maybe it's making your band sound better. Maybe you're in a situation just like what Delwyn and I have gone through starting over at a new church. Maybe you're just exhausted and need to figure out how to stop doing everything. I have over 20 years of experience in worship ministry and working in and with many different kinds of churches and I would love to help you get unstuck 
in your ministry. Now, this is a premium service. What that means is that there is a cost to it. It's not for everyone. I'm still going to keep doing what I do with YouTube videos and this podcast and responding to comments and DMs as much as I possibly can. But this gives you one full hour of my undivided attention and we'll put our heads together to create a step-by-step plan that gets you closer to the results that you're looking for. And within 30 days of the call, you don't think it was helpful, then just let me know and I'll refund your money, no questions asked. For more information, go to practicalworshiplog.com slash coaching or check out the show notes page for this and everything else that we talk about during this episode by going to practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 28. And now here's my conversation with Delwyn Island. Dylan Island, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Now, you come from the Chicago area, which little known fact, I actually do too. I am originally from a suburb called Schaumburg, which is really close to kind of your old stomping grounds at, at Willow. Yeah. And so we both have in common that we've moved from Chicago to some other place. For me, it was Oklahoma City. You're in the Grand Rapids area up in Michigan. What's yeah. What's been the, the biggest difference going from Chicago, someone that grew up in Chicago, and now you're in the suburbs of Grand Rapids? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the biggest difference that I've noticed is uh, Grand Rapids has a really small town feel. Everybody knows each other. Uh, and, you know, I say that as a kind of a broad brush statement, but it's kind of it's kind of true, you know. Like every you could throw a rock and hit two houses that have like family members in it, and so uh, even you know I identify like going to my kids' school, and my kids' school is probably a twenty five minute drive from my church, and I'm always seeing people that attend my church at my kids' school, and my church isn't it's not ginormous, you know, but it, it's this thing of. We live in a really small town and uh, word about things travels fast and uh, people are kind and generous. Uh, I think another difference is uh, in Chicago, there is massive amounts of traffic. Yes. You know, driving on I-90 or 94 or 294. And I have not seen traffic in Grand Rapids yet, man. It doesn't take any more than 20 minutes to get anywhere uh, in the Grand Rapids metropolitan area. So uh, Chicago, I mean, you'd be in traffic for two hours to get from Schaumburg to downtown sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes living a lot easier. Have you have you found yourself starting to tell people where you live by, like, raising up your right hand? I have not, and I refuse to. Why? <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes I just like to go against the grain, and I don't know Michigan that well. And so, like, I, I will put my hand up and show somebody the wrong place. And I just fear that if I'm talking to somebody who's actually a Michigander, they'll think I'm an idiot because I just, you know, told them I was from Mackinac Island or something and I'm actually in, in Grand Rapids. <gasps> so, well, well, this is now going to be a permanent record on your file and we'll see where you are in a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to this conversation, and I met you really briefly at the Philo Conference last year because you lead worship as a part of Philo, and you hang out with good people like Todd Elliott. And you were also, at least at the time, on staff at Willow Creek as their worship pastor. But then I'm, I'm following things, and all of a sudden I realize, oh, he's not at Willow anymore. He's at Mars Hill. Yeah. And my first thought was, 
wow, those two churches are really different in terms of just how they approach uh, maybe stylistically what they do on a Sunday morning. One is really high production value. The other one, Mars, is known for its minimalistic approach. Mm-hmm. And so, one, I want to talk about that a little bit. But also, two, as someone that has also gone through the process of being at a church for a while but then having to start over, I thought between my story and what you're going through right now, just the things that you're seeing, the things that you're learning, the challenges, the blessings, all of that, have a conversation around that for people that are going through a similar situation that they can maybe get some ideas from and get some encouragement from. So let's start here, though. Let's start with walk me through that process about how you knew it was time to move on from Willow as you were kind of looking ahead to Mars Hill. Like walk me through that, that thought process of maybe where you were at this time last year. Yeah. Um, So, um, the change was prompted, uh, 2018. And, uh, for anybody that's, you know, followed along with Willow's story, um, for the last several years, I won't rehash all of those things, but there were a lot of changes that happened leadership and from top down. And, uh, my wife, Ashley, who, who was, who was a teacher at Willow and the director of midweek. Uh, and before that she served as a, as a creative director, so on and so forth. Uh, she had come to Mars just as a, a guest to teach a weekend, and they fell in love with her, as as people often do. My wife, Ashley, she's a, she's a powerhouse. And so fast forward a couple months, things started to, um, to happen at Willow, and we received a phone call from Mars saying, hey, if, if you, we want you all to stay at Willow, like we desire for you to, to, to stick it out, but if it ever feels like you need a different experience, outside of Willow. Just know that there's a place for you at Mars. And so, I mean, it, it felt like a, a really hands-open kind of invitation. It wasn't overly grabby, um, but it also made a statement of, we want you here. Like, we've seen what you can do, and uh, we want you here. And so we initially decided that we would stick it out. And, um, you know, we were so close to the, the eye of the storm, I guess. Um, but then several months passed, and, um, you know, we were still serving faithfully in our roles there. I was a worship pastor for midweek and uh, my wife was on the midweek stage as a teacher. And we received another call from Mars just to say, hey, you know, it was essentially to let us know we weren't reaching out to you to poach, so to speak. Like it wasn't just, hey, things are going bad now, you know, come come join us. It was we actually see value, and uh, and if God would move on you all's heart to to join us, then I think that there are some things that we could do. And so we considered it. We came in and did a couple of um, uh, guest things. My wife came and taught, and I came to lead worship at Mars. This happened in in December, and the lead pastor had a conversation with us that was really kind of freaky. Um, he said he had gone to some conference where uh, there was a guy who uh, was prophesying over him. And he looked at him and said, I think, uh, I think God wants to send you a teaching pastor. And the lead pastor perks up. He's like, okay, he's already knowing that, that, that he's had something brewing. And then the guy said, um, she's going to have influence and she's, she's going to come with a platform so and that is like, OK, there's a she. And he's like, all right. Yep. And then he said, 
she's going to be a woman of color. She's going to be a black woman. And so our lead pastor then is like, he knows exactly who he has in mind. And this guy is, is calling out exactly who he's thinking about. He's checking all the boxes. He's checking all of the boxes, man. And so he shared that with us. We were like, okay, we didn't get that same revelation from God. But if we, we know the Holy Spirit and, and we know the Holy Spirit moves in those kinds of ways. And so at the very least, this is something for us to pay attention to. And so we, you know, fast forward a couple more months. We came back to Grand Rapids and, and did some more guest things at Mars and decided to formally, you know, hop into this this interview process. And so, I mean, just to give everybody a timeline, my wife initially came out in July of 2018. We didn't say yes to formally starting the process until April 2019. We went through several months of, you know, phone conversations. We came out for in-person interviews. And then June, June 1 of 2019 is when we made the decision that we would, you know, formally come onto the Mars Hill staff. Then we didn't actually move until September. So, we're, you know, we're talking about like a 14, 15 month process um, from, you know, making the decision to to leave uh, Willow uh, and to attend or to start on the Mars Hill staff. And if I could if I could say uh, one or two more things about that, I know we have other things to, to move on to. Uh, I'll say that we we prayed for clarity. Our specific request was, God, give us burning bush clarity on what we should do. And to give a um, yeah, an example of God's sense of humor, our house was on uh, a street called Crimson. And we, it had never dawned on us that the closest cross street was a street called Burning Bush. <laughs> so, so, Dave, we, we prayed for clarity. And I, I remember like it was yesterday, we were getting ready to go to a Super Bowl party. We go outside, we get into our car, and I look up, and I just chuckle. And Ashley said, what are you laughing at? And I said, babe, we just prayed for Burning Bush clarity. Look at the street sign. And so God gave us Burning Bush clarity. But then the question was, was the clarity like are we supposed to stay or are we supposed to go right and so it just beca- it became this like cycle of um of us having to be in tune with one another having to be in tune with the spirit and our prayers eventually shifted from god give us clarity to god help us to follow you help us to be closer to you help us to be better disciples to you and god gave us the word that i'll be with you whether you stay here I'll be with you whether you go there. I'll be with you whether you take this other opportunity in this place. I'll be with you whether you take this opportunity across the country. Uh, and so it it really deepened our relationship with the Lord and and deepened our resolve that wherever we go, whatever ministry roles we we take, uh, we are not far from Him, and He's not far from us. He's He's always going to be with us so long as is our desire is to be in proximity to Him over. Um, our desire being solely to be at one place or another. Yeah, that's a good word. And I would imagine that, especially as things were happening at Willow, you wanted to make sure, you and your wife want to make sure that you were leaping towards something and not leaping from something. Having that perspective Absolutely. that it wasn't just, okay, we're running from something, but like, no, God is leading us to a new place. We're going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess what I would say on that uh uh, coming from Willow, there is um, 
part of the language, the lexicon of language at Willow is leaving well. You know, and I think often, whether it's in ministry roles or, you know, marketplace roles, once you once things start to go south for you and you find this other job, then things really start going south, you know, and and, and bitterness comes out and everything that maybe you've held back on, you know, for the last several years just kind of starts to spew out and you um, you spew out this venom onto your team and onto your volunteers and, you know, onto your pastoral staff and then ultimately onto your congregation. And um, we'd seen that happen too many times and we didn't have any of it. Right. You know, we we, we had some of our own hangups. There were things that that kind of rubbed us. Uh, but we made the resolve that we wouldn't run from anything. And if we felt like we were running, then we would stay. We wanted to leave as 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 uh, with our integrity intact. And we told our boss that we were leaving in, in June. And again, we didn't leave until September. And so there was this there was this long off ramp. And we're fortunate enough to say that it was it was not uh, contentious at all. It was very much we bless you. Like our lead pastor at the time, he was he was the acting senior pastor at Willow. He uh, he came to midweek service and he blessed us. You know, we knelt down on the stage and the the entire. I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it because the so many things that happened at Willow at the time where leaders left in um, in in ways that they weren't necessarily blessed by the congregation or other members of leadership. You know, some controversial things were happening, and so for us to have made the decision to be upfront about us moving into a different season and really praying, Jesus, make new wine out of us, you know, like help us to, to embrace something brand new. We were open about that with our congregation and with leadership, and people really, really respected that. And so, yeah, one of the joys of my life is, uh, is that we ended well and that Willow is a place that we can still call home. We can still go back and visit and uh, and how those relationships. That's so good. And I, and I think that's really healthy. And so now you're in the process of transitioning. And I think for anyone that has transitioned, when you go from one church to another, there's always going to be uh, a different culture, different mindset, different priorities, just different ways of how you you do things. I My story is, is similar in that, you know, I went from one church to another that was just different and you have to learn it a little bit. Yeah. But I can't think of too many churches that are on different ends of the spectrum, at least from a methodology and worship standpoint, than Willow and Mars. Yeah. And maybe I'm perceiving, maybe I'm writing a little bit more into that, but how has that transition been going from Willow is kind of one of the main churches you were at and yeah. you know, for almost a decade, what you did, and now you're in a whole new way, whole new thought process, different you know, methodologies, different priorities. How has that transition been for you over this last year? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I'll say from a production perspective, you're right, man, it, w- it was different. Uh, and just to give some example, I mean, at Willow had a, a monitor engineer, front of house engineer. You know, you had your stage team. You had your producer who was sitting in the front who had, you know, a headset on. And then in the back, you had addition. In addition to your front of house engineer, you had a tech director, tech producer, video director five cameras. There was somebody downstairs doing broadcast. There was literally, you know, literally somebody in, in every conceivable production uh, role. And then when 
my transition to Mars was, you know, we have a volunteer front of house engineer. We're using avioms. Uh, the production director, um, his name is Dan, wonderful guy, wonderful uh, technical and production mind. Um, he's kind of helping to, to shepherd a group of volunteers rather than lead or manage a group of professionals. And I think there's a there's a key difference in that as well. Like he's operating uh, really this kind of pastoral role. And the volunteers are people that have loved to do production for as little as two weeks to as long as, you know, 10 years. But the key word in that is is that they're volunteers, you know, they're, they're accountants or they're doctors or lawyers or, or mechanics in their, their normal job. And so I really think there's, um, I had to come in with the mindset that things are not going to be the way that they were at Willow from a consistency and theater level quality perspective. But I also had to go, these are people who are giving their time. These are people who are volunteering their lives. These are people who their wives or their families are sitting in the congregation and they're sitting in an in a isolated booth upstairs and it, like they're not sitting with their family. And so I think there's a there are just kind of some differences in that. So what do you do with that? So like knowing that about you you know your your tech team and the fact that they're giving other time and all so you as a leader what do you do with that how do you lead differently yeah great question i think um i tried to do this at willow even with you know like i said people who were sitting in you know paid positions uh but just leading from a, a, a position of gratitude and thanking people for doing the roles that i know i'm not able to do you know what I mean? Like, I, if if you if you put me in front of a pro presenter and ask me to, you know, to to put together a four song set in pro, I don't know if I would be able to do that. I don't know how to create a mix, you know, from from the bottom up. I don't I don't know how to do those things. And so, as a leader, I had to I tried to approach the team at Willow in the same way, but just saying thank you. First of all, thank you for for giving of yourself. Thank you for um, thank you for taking the time out to learn. Thank you for time to you know for being at rehearsal early. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing all of these things. Now the difference is, I think at Willow there was a, a slightly elevated level of expectation because I know okay you guys have been here forty hours a week, and whereas you know where I come to Mars it's um, I know that there's a difference you know like there, there's a, a slightly different level of expectation, and so what we may be shooting for. Is different. We're not shooting for something that's going to be perfect on VOD. You know, we're not shooting for something that is going to be perfect when we translate it to to live stream or you know, kind of live broadcast kind of thing. Uh, and so I just I just had to approach things mentally different and not not say I'm going to lower my expectations of excellence. I think excellence is the decision that we make. Excellence is is the way that we approach the work. But I was going to lower my expectation in terms of uh, perfectionism, as it were. I'll tell you, I also I had the good fortune the last uh, almost the last year of my time at Willow to work at Barrington, which is the main campus, and work at one of the regionals, which is the Crystal Lake campus. And Barrington, largely staff run. So all of my band were contractors, tech team, you know, mostly professional guys and gals. And then at Crystal Lake it was pretty much all volunteer. And so before I even knew that God was gonna transition 
myself and my wife from Willow. He was training you. He was training me and put me back into a volunteer situation um, that really softened my heart in a lot of ways and made me refocus from being so much of a professional musician. And I think the, the professionalism that um, that anybody who's you know working and being paid for their role as a, as a worship leader, worship pastor, the professional thing is what your volunteers are going to need because they look to you for leadership. Like you're the subject matter expert when it comes to music or, and or production or worship uh, to the people that are serving along with you. But they're also looking for you to have a pastoral heart. They're looking for you to to shepherd them and to uh, and to gently guide them when they need to be gently guided. And so God put me in this situation for a good, you know, nine or 10 months before I came to a place that was uh, completely different than where I'd served for, you know, for like you say, almost a decade. Well, and, and, and also too, one is just getting the product out, but two, you're having to rebuild trust yeah. with a whole new group of people that have been there for a while. Like yeah. there's already been an established way of doing things. And now you get put in the middle of it and you go from a situation where you had eight years of trust with all the people that were around you and you lead, you know, you can, you can kind of make withdrawals on that trust. If you think of trust as a bank Yeah. and now you're in a brand new situation. So, you know, how is that? And what advice would you have for anyone that's in a similar situation where they're rebuilding trust yeah. with the, the volunteers and the people around this system that was that is been going on longer than they've been at that new church? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think trust is a is a currency that's that's earned the hard way. I'll never forget. I had um, when I was at Crystal Lake, which is I just mentioned the the Willow campus. You know, we did everything with tracks. Everything was multi-tracks. Now, my band at South Barrington, we didn't use tracks. Again, these are, you know, top-level guys who are, who are actually working in the music industry. So we, we didn't use tracks. And the music director and I, we had a connection from years and years back. And so he always knew where I was going. I knew where he was going musically. He had a talkback mic. And Dave, you've been to Philo. His name is Tracy. You Tracy's probably, amazing. He's, he's amazing. He's a savant, man. And so, but Tracy and I had this connection where it was a lot of things were just nonverbal. It, it's beautiful, man. Uh, Tracy and his wife just had another baby, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, and so I go from there to Crystal Lake. And uh, I'll never forget, we were doing a baptism service and something happened with the tracks. Like a, a track ended and we still had baptisms to go. And so... I get on the talkback mic. Now, I have a talkback mic and I have my vocal mic. And I'm telling the band, all right, you guys got to follow me. Just trust me. And I didn't know that to them, they didn't know where I was going. They had no idea what, what I was going to do. And so we had a conversation afterwards. And it was like, don't, you can't just tell us to trust you. We know your reputation, but we don't know you. Right. And so inherent in that was like, oh, okay, my reputation that I built in one place, good or, or bad, doesn't necessarily translate. The trust level that I built up with, with a certain group of people doesn't translate. And not, and not because they don't want to trust me, it's because they don't actually know me. Right. But, but again, that happened early on at, at Crystal Lake. Um, Mars had never used, you know, multi-tracks. Um, and so even the, the they used tracks before, but you know the, the tracks that some of us use with like the guide voice that that is in and out. And so 
it's a joke to everybody. Like everybody hears this this little lady or this guy that's telling one, two, three, and and we all chuckle about it. And we all have a name. We all have a name for the lady. <laughs> really? We call it Diana. <laughs> like, I need more Diana. I haven't given her a name, but I mean that that's even a small example of things where people are like. Okay, this is brand new. And I have to go along with the joke and say, I know she's obnoxious, um, but I think she'll. Th- this kind of operates for us as a as a musical director in the in the moment. It, it keeps us on track. And I think just giving people little dosages of of something new with a large dosage of what they already know and they already trust and already experience. Uh, for me, that's I think that's given our team. Um, the feeling that Delwyn doesn't just want to come in and change everything. Delwyn is learning from what we already know. He's learning from us, and he's also teaching us at the same time. Uh, and so I think that you know that that really like slow discipline, like that slow work of uh, making lasting and transformative change, is in a word slow. And I, I think it hasn't all been, you know, it hasn't all been perfect in terms of changes like a. An example of that for me, I'm a vocalist first, and so I can hear harmonies and things like that and give them out to singers. And we typically run about uh, three um, additional vocalists in addition to myself or Troy is the other guy who's leading. And it's not always, you know, three part harmony, you know. Uh, And so I come in and I'm like, oh, can you sing this part? or Can you sing this part? Little did I know, not everybody is a harmony singer. Some people are only, you know, adept at, at singing melody. And so I'm trying to give people parts on Sunday in rehearsal before we actually have a service. And little do I know it's frustrating them rather than helping because it's like you you could have told me this three days ago or that's not something that I'm accustomed to doing. And so that's that's one of the things that I think, um, you know, very practically I came in again, believing that. Uh, or thinking that everybody was kind of at the same level of, um, I don't want to say the same level, but had the same skill level of people that I left at Willow. And uh, and I, I learned a hard lesson, you know. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I really appreciate you sharing that. Dylan, are you ready now for the bonus round? Let's do it. All right. We're doing the bonus round with Delwyn in three, two, one, coffee or tea. I'm a coffee guy. Early riser or night owl? Um, I think I, by default I'm an early riser because I got three kids. Yes. And uh, and and <laughs> young kids at that. Three young kids. They're five and under. Three, five and under. But I'm more of a middle of the day kind of guy. I hit my stride around one, and I feel like I can go all afternoon. And uh, at night after I put them to bed, you know, my wife and I were super tired. Favorite TV or Netflix show? Oh, oh man! Right now it's Ozark. Okay. Right now it's it's, it's Ozark. Wow, that's a good question. I think I've watched I've watched more TV in the last several months than I have in a long time. But right now I'm, I'm really digging Ozark. Story of 2020. Cat or dog? Dog, all day. Cats freak me out. Enneagram number. Enneagram 8. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. In and out or Chick-fil-A? Oh, man. Dave, I'm in Michigan and we don't have In and Out, 
but you've traveled. Like, are you one of those guys that, like, when you travel to Texas or whatever, you're like, or California, you're like, as soon as we get off this plane. I got to hit in and out. I got to hit in and out. Okay. Yep. That's cool. Favorite book every worship pastor should read? Uh, the Bible is too easy to say, but um, the scriptures, I think particularly, particularly the Psalms and uh, and the Chronicles, the Chronicles and in, in first first and second Samuel, because they outline essentially how David, how King David crafted music ministry, how he, you know, selected people and hired people to uh, to do what what you and I are doing today. I won't call the Bible a cop out answer because you had a very spe- you had specific books of the Bible and you had very specific reasons. So yeah. the judges will allow it. Okay. <laughs> Taylor or Martin? Dude, Martin CEO seven. Crunchy or creamy? Peanut butter? Yeah. Creamy. Creamy. First record you ever purchased? Oh man. The first vinyl I ever purchased was Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Oh, my word. That's such a good record. Yeah, if I, I think if like if I were deserted on an island and I was the only person alive on Earth, that would be one of the five things that I needed to have is Songs in the Key of Life. Such a good record. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Delwin with the bonus round. Give it up for Delwin Island. Thank you. Thank you. So if you had to name one thing that maybe surprised you, in this transition, going from Chicago into Grand Rapids, going from from one church culture that you were at for almost a decade to uh, a different church, you know, you go into these things with expectations mm. of what you think it might be like. You're trying to brace yourself, but good or bad or indifferent or whatever, what's one thing that you think has surprised you the most now that you've kind of, you know, not quite a year, but you got, you know, nine months for me. I know that nine months was the place where I was just starting to get some traction on some things, Yeah, you know, pandemic aside. But what's one thing that, you know, looking back, you didn't realize it would be like it is now, good or bad? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, I guess, kind of two parts of this. One of the things that surprised me is how much of a singing church Mars Hill is. And I say that because, you know, I came from a place that wasn't, I wouldn't say Willow wasn't a singing church. Before a long time, there was a campaign, we're going to be a singing church, we're going to be a, a singing church, so as to get the church away from having a consumeristic kind of mindset. And Mars Hill has always been built around this this idea of being a singing church. And a lot of it uh, stems from Mars Hill was a plant out of a denomination, out of a um, Christian Reformed church, where singing is a value. And I think what was surprising in what was most surprising in Mars Hill being a singing church is that while the, the congregation sings, it's not super expressive. There's not a hand raising kind of situation. It's not a clapping situation. Because in the denomination that uh, that most of the people have come from, it was frowned upon. And so you have this congregation of people who are singing in large part because that is what you do. And I come from a, a background where you sing because that's who you are. 
you sing like the, uh, there's a Kurt Franklin song. I sing because I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I sing because I'm free, you know, and yeah. and I come from like Baptist black tradition where that it, it wasn't something you were prescribed to do. It was something that you did because that's who you were. And so what God has allowed me to do is to bring my heart for singing and my heart for expression to a congregation who had been longing for, okay, just 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 tap this button on me. And, and I promise I want to be expressive. Tap this button, talk to me, lead me as a pastor, uh, and, and help me understand why I should sing these songs for any reason other than this is what you do in church, right? And so I've always had the desire to be a pastor first and a musician second. And so I take these opportunities in every set that I'm leading to speak to the people, to speak to the congregation, to to give something that's from the word or to talk about a song and say, this is why we should sing this song. Right. Uh, or, or given a reminder of this is why we clap. This is why this is why we gather. This is why we raise our hands. Um, and often I'll say, I've been thinking about you this week. As I as I was planning this set, I thought about you, and this and 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 as I was thinking about you, this is what happened, and I've been surprised that combining this heart for singing that the church already has, with an infusion of heart and an expression, and letting people know in your congregation that you actually think about them, that you actually care about them, and that you actually love them, yields this beautiful fruit of. Uh, of a congregation who can be on fire, not just in the moment, but also has a fire lit in them on a weekend that carries them through the rest of the week. I remember when I was just getting started at the church that I'm at now, I was just six weeks in and I remember it took me 40 hours just to get four songs on the stage. I used to be able to put together a set list in my sleep. Planning Center was already set up. I had all the assets. I knew my band's strengths really well. A few hours of rehearsal, and we were ready for the weekend. But now, all of my instincts are off. I'm learning a whole new team. I'm learning new songs that the church has been singing for years, but they're new to me. I'm getting Planning Center set up and getting everything just right so it kind of works within the structure that I want to create. And just putting together a set list was so incredibly difficult. I remember being so frustrated in that moment, but it was it was only a moment. And I remember being where Delwyn is now, which is you know about nine months in, And just starting to feel like I was getting some traction and earning trust with the people on my team and the people in the congregation. I actually made a few YouTube videos during that time, like when I was in the thick of it, when everything was new and I was learning about starting over. So if you want to check those out, I'll put a link to that playlist in the show notes. Also, we talked about Tracy Stingley for a moment in that conversation. He's the musical director at Willow, and I actually had a chance to talk with him at Philo as well about what an MD does for the band and what it might look like for your church band. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes as well. Just go to practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 28. Oh, and while we're talking about Willow Creek and Philo, I have to give a shout out to Mr. Philo himself, Todd Elliott. We had him on the podcast back on episode 12. 
And we talked about how to pull off big services like Christmas and Easter without losing your cool and your volunteers and your mind. So you can check that out. He also has a brand new book out called I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, Tackling the Challenges of Being a Church Technical Artist. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Hey, you've made it this far to the podcast. You should do this right now. Stop everything. Take a screenshot and then share it on social media. Let me see where you're listening from and what you're doing right now as you're listening. And when you post it on social media, tag me in it by using at Dave Dolphin Okay. And also, thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. This is what iTunes uses to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests. So the more people that rate it and review it, the more that iTunes is going to recommend this podcast to other people that can benefit from these kinds of conversations. And if you're listening to this from Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, I'm glad you're here as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. 